should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because, for some reason, Kanye didn't want to come on our show. <laughs> my name is Kevin and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the luckiest boy in all the land. Benedict, how's your ass feel? Uh, no comment. How <laughs> does one plead? Know a question like that how, was coming. <laughs> how does one plead the fifth? <laughs> Uh, no, delightful. Kevin bought me a new office chair because he's very kind, mm-hmm. um, yep. and it is it is delightful and luxurious. Uh, the but office he, chair to end all office. He chairs. phrased the question in a uh, <laughs> deliberately provocative way, um, but no, like it's on a cloud. Uh, if I'm <laughs> if I'm honest with you, how does yours feel? <laughs> Pretty good, a little warm. I've yeah. uh, been wearing sweatpants. Yeah, um, you know, as you do, as, as you one do. does. Uh, but Benedict. Um, you might know. I do. You do. It's good. Uh, mm-hmm. But some of the folks out there, uh, those those who don't have Herman Miller chairs, uh, might not know exactly what it okay. is. Okay, flexing with how generous a gift giver you are. <laughs> I didn't say the name. I didn't want to embarrass you. It was open box, everyone. Don't worry. It was open Kevin box. <laughs> it was open box. I didn't pay full price. <laughs> but this is the show where we go deep, 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 deep. To plumb the depths of right-wing thought, by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction, and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a take for us this week? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, the, the, just one inspired by what you just did is I think every week you should try and go a little deeper with, your, <laughs> with the timbre of your voice. Eventually, I'm just going to be doing Mongolian throat <laughs> singing, doing deep. <laughs> yeah that um and then so my my hot take is maybe more of a question than a than a comment oh mm. <laughs> which is the better way around i think um and it's a question i asked you and you skipped over because i don't think you knew the answer but maybe our audience will know um and it I, as people know the new york times struck 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 went on strike is mm-hmm. the uh the yes this week and i oh know... i didn't not know the answer i forgot to answer your text okay well maybe you can answer <laughs> it now what counts as crossing a picket line? Because obviously I didn't go to the site. I didn't use mm-hmm. any New York Times things. But I follow the New York Times on Twitter. I follow the New York Times on Instagram, etc. Mm-hmm. And they definitely came up in my feed. I didn't click on them. But yep. is that crossing a picket line? I don't want to. I didn't mean to. I'm trying not to. I don't think to. so. No, because A, they but, don't get any money from you just seeing one of their tweets. Yeah. And if anything, it costs them money because they're paying to advertise them. So. Right. <laughs> right. So I don't think okay. that's, that's really crossing the picket line. I okay. think if you clicked on it, I think if you you went to the uh uh well wait a minute did you pause your subscription for the new york times crossword uh did you remember i didn't to do use that? it i didn't use it on the day but, but i didn't pause the subscription but though. you're still paying for it well i had already paid for it for the month i didn't pay oh, on the fine. day like fine fine yeah fine yeah i don't so, know i think anyway. any, i think the, the line is anything that they make money from i right. think that's where it is i think that's where the line is 
Gotcha. Okay. All right. That um, don't cross picket lines is my whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> try just trying to help people avoid crossing picket lines. And as we learned last time, Scabby is Antifa. Yeah, Scabby <laughs> is Antifa. Of course he is. How can he not Absolutely. be? Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What about you? What's your hot take? Uh, Benedict, my hot take this week uh comes from something you texted me earlier oh, today. No. The Krasensteins are back on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Look, but pr- Jacob props Wall for still isn't. Through. Props for following through. Last week we said free the Krasenstein's <laughs> and Elon Musk listened. You know, that was going to be what I was leading into is Elon Musk listens to this podcast. I don't think he does. Oh He'd God, I hope he doesn't. at us by now. Yeah. He'd be like, fuck God you. Damn. Yeah, he would have said his pronouns are NYGBC or something. <laughs> that fucking dipshit. Yeah, he's he's oh. really hard on the on the... QAnon train. Although I guess I'm not kind of... left or right. I'm just exclusively right. Yeah. Oh, seems to well, be his okay. basic line. The time saying that is fucking ridiculous. Oh um, god. You know. You know. Oh, here's what you do. Don't follow the New York Times anymore. Yeah. Follow the New York Times pitch bot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the New York Times pitch bot is good. Which is pretty great. Um, Half the time just has to retweet actual New York Times headlines. Yeah. Yeah. I like. He's really like speed running the QAnon stuff. He's speed running radicalization. Yeah. People say that, but I'm not convinced he wasn't already radicalized that's the thing i think people just pay more attention to him now i don't know to what level it's one of those things we always deal with with people we look at on this show whether they believe it or whether they you know are trolling or whether they think that it or even have just got into a feedback loop now like yeah he's definitely in a feedback loop but still i don't know to what degree he believes it what's it called or whether he just thinks it will promote his his underlying interest to pretend to believe bullshit like that no but you can be you can have genuinely audience capture where you keep saying dumber and dumber things because you keep attracting more and more audience um and also the other the reason i say that is because like he's like swerved into the QAnon stuff, but he's always accused people of being pedophiles. Like, do you yeah. remember that Thai cave people diver rescued that rescued all those caves. children? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he was doing this before it was cool. Like he was just like, yeah, that guy's a pedophile. Uh, I heard it on the internet. And, yeah, yeah, but also, okay, here's the thing that I will say, just because I don't think he's actually QAnon, right? Is that accusing your enemies of being pedophiles is not exclusively a QAnon nope, thing. Nope, can also just it's be straight homophobic. <laughs> b- been around a lot yeah. longer than than QAnon has and like to be also to be fair like QAnon got that from Alex Jones because Alex Jones has been screaming that all of his enemies are pedophiles forever that's how he tries to claim that he was talking about Jeffrey Epstein before Mm. the mainstream media was he never mentioned Jeffrey Epstein's name he just called every Democrat a pedophile yeah, like and also the Q- whole Q- QAnon is an evolution of Pizzagate as well, which yes, you know, that... absolutely, which again stems from Alex Jones. Yeah, absolutely doesn't help does. that fucking Jack Dorsey has pizza in his email address though. Like <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Yeah, like do yourself I, like it's again like klaus schwab like just do yourself a favor and stop like leaning into the things that they're yeah. gonna take as like klaus schwab going around wearing his little like new world order sash like please stop <laughs> jesus christ you do have to wonder to what extent any of those people who they accuse of being the globalists are aware or care yeah. that people are you know like to on the side of you know things that in a reasonable world we would agree with people like Alex on these people do have too much power and yeah. wealth and all this shit right we we agree on that point mm-hmm. but again that's not Alex's underlying point that's not what he really cares about he really cares about just he wants guns he wants guns that's Alex's thing it's what it mostly all comes back to <laughs> this whole and thing it, yeah 
accusing all of his enemies of outrageous bullshit, like drinking baby's blood, another QAnon thing that originated with Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it just it just helps support the underlying mission. And I don't think he actually believes it. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yep. We're not even past the, the bookshelf portion. No, 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 that's true. So, Benedict, what's on your bookshelf? Uh, on the bookshelf this week is The White Lotus, the TV show. Um, which Didn't you I do think... that two weeks ago or something? Did I? No, I did the menu, I thought. Uh, I think you might have done White Lotus. Oh, did I? I well, know. yeah, it's the finale this week, so watch that. Um, okay, that's thrown me. Hold on, give me a sec. Come back to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, on my bookshelf this week, Benedict, uh, I just bought a uh, Steam Deck, um, the the gaming platform console oh, okay. handheld uh, made by Valve. Because oh, okay. um, uh, uh, I've you know I've sort of become a big PC gamer this year. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the year, this was the year of the PC game for me, um, and the Steam Deck allows me to play my PC games on a handheld, which is mm-hmm. actually really freaking amazing. Um, it's not perfect for every game; it doesn't work on on everything, but there surprisingly well for most games. You can play what I otherwise would need my $3,000 PC to play. I can play on this $500 handheld. Okay. Pretty amazing. Nice. Pretty freaking amazing. Um, so I've also, uh, and this is the really cool thing about Steam Deck that I was going to say is, is really my bookshelf, have gotten it to work for emulators, okay. which means I can go play Game Boy games, Game Boy oh. Advance, Nintendo 64. I can play these games you just can't get access to anywhere because they're not available unless you own those old systems. I can play them on Steam. Nice. So I have been playing uh, the Metroid Prime series, which was originally on GameCube, and is j- just as good as I remembered it. Just as freaking good as I remembered it. It's so amazing. I love those games. I had a GameCube when we were kids. That w- That's what we played. And those games are so fucking good. They're just so amazing, top to bottom, everything about them. They're they're very close to a perfect game for me. I love them. Just love them. Okay, that's good. Um, I might have to look into that. That sounds cool. I think on my bookshelf, I'm going to recommend another TV show then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slow Horses on Apple TV. Uh, it's a spy thriller. It's good. Yeah, I'll never watch anything on Apple TV. That's fine. I'm not going to pay for another this streaming isn't service. for you. I, I, get I get it. Slow horses. It's good. It's fun. Yeah, like it's... One thing you know is is everything is really about me. We know that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, on to housekeeping. Benedict, uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes and the Spotify's and all the places where you can leave stars or thumbs or other things. Uh, follow us on the social medias for now at NYGBC Pod on Twitter and at NYGBC Ben. Uh, we got a couple updates uh, this week. Uh, one, uh, Seymour Hirsch, who came up in last week's episode, uh, he got the Pulitzer Prize for exposing the My Lai Massacre. Oh, that was wow. a question you had. Jesus of what Christ, he got the Pulitzer that's for. some good reporting. Good for you, Seymour <laughs> Hirsch. Yeah, and then he apparently did very bad on Seth Rich. Um, <laughs> I looked into it a little bit more, and basically. He had been telling people he had FBI sources. And then when other journalists like fact-checked him, he was like, well, I was just hoping if I said I did that some people would come to me and give me information. Oh, no, that's unfair. <laughs> very bad. Very, very bad. But Jesus Christ, exposing the Milai Massacre, is, that is some journalism. Like... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But he's very old now. He's very, very old now. Uh, let, let's uh, say that's the reason for his decline rather than other things. Um, next is the, the Raphael Warnock won. Oh, great. He won. He won. That's happened. Our patron donations made all the difference. Yes, they did. All the difference. (laughs) It was that 250 bucks that put him over the edge there. Uh, (laughs) I think 
And I, I also wanted to briefly reflect on how I think that the Raphael Warnock race, him and Herschel Walker, shows that my premise that the far fringe of the right has become the center is true. Mm. Because the far right majority or plurality within the Republican Party elected Rafa- or elected Herschel Walker to run in the primary. And that just wasn't tenable for the entirety of the left plus some portion of their own party. Yeah, so here's the thing. Who wins the primary doesn't reflect who the actual voters of that party are. That's the problem. I think there's a huge primary capture that goes on. Where... But it does reflect the who is active in the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't disagree, but that might be 10% of the party's voters. Sure, but then when you get to the general election... You see how the fact that so much of that party has been captured by the fringe right yeah. affects well, the outcome. Well, that's, that's the problem with partisan binary choices is that the most extreme factions in either party get to decide who the candidate is. They're Bendigo's, both sidesing it all. And, no, I'm not both sidesing. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking about political theory now. Um, and, then, and then the people will inevitably hold their nose and vote for their candidate because of partisan... I mean, in Herschel Walker's case, a lot of them didn't. No, that's what I'm saying. Well, I also think Georgia is prematurely a blue state because they keep choosing the worst candidates for the Republican ticket. Yeah, um, I think it's it's weird because you see, like, the governor's race going overwhelmingly Republican, right? Mm-hmm. You see that happening. And then you see Senate going straight blue, which is, is very weird. Yeah. It's very weird. But yes, you are right. They had horrible candidates in all of those Senate races since, was it 2018? When we had those first yeah. ones, yeah, 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 so, I th- they've just been. Ba- I mean, Ossoff really kicked it off. He ran. He went ran for like the first special election after Trump was elected. I think. Yeah, he was like yeah. the first famous, like not celebrity candidate, but you know what I mean, like candidate whose every everyone's attention was on for a house seat after Trump won to yeah. see if there would be backlash against it. Well, I mean, same thing with like Doug Jones in Alabama, right, running mm. against Rince Roy Moore, Jesus who had. Christ. Yeah. All of his fucking problems. Many, many problems. Anyway, I think Raphael Warnock could be a great president. That's where, sure. That's my hot take for the week. Sure. My Let's extra, see if that extra hot take since I fucked up the bookshelf. <laughs> uh, only other update I have this week. Obviously, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I have got a new soundboard and I'm mm. still fiddling around with all the settings. So if anyone hears any audio issues, if things are too loud, too soft, if there's clipping, uh, reach out and let me know. Obviously, I do the edit, but then I want to know uh, if anybody's picking up on things I'm not noticing. So uh, anyone has any thoughts on how the sound is sounding uh, now that I've made some changes, uh, please reach out and let me know. But Benedict, we have some inductees into the Spooky World New World Order this week. Of course, we have several new patrons lined up this week. So why don't we start it off with Satan's Little Monkey. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. Yeah. Now I'm just worried I have to come up with a new way to say that when I do the list at the <laughs> end of the show. Uh, Satan's Little Monkey. I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with something. Sure. Uh, next, Jay Reynolds. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. Yeah. And Megan A. Dooley. You are now part of our... New World Spooky World Order. Thank you all so much for joining and becoming patrons. We also have one other addition to the Spooky World New World Order this week, Benedict, and that is Sarah and Tifa, who you noted uh, had those delightful photoshops of Alex Uh Jones uh, that are on Twitter, and I retweeted them. You can go check them out there. They are delicious. Uh, So, Sarah and Tifa, you are now part of our... 
New World Spooky World Order. And of course, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can, drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. Benedict, with all that out of the way, why don't we get to this week's Alex Jones clip? And of course, you know that I like to try and tie the clip into something that's happening. I, I do know that, yeah. In our book this week. Um, and uh, last time, I did one that was about COVID. Um, this time, I think our clip is much more uh, current eventy. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of us are aware that Alex Jones had Kanye on since the the last time we talked about this book. We're not playing the Kanye clip. We're not playing the Kanye <laughs> clip. No, we're not playing. You, you, you can go listen to Knowledge Fight. They covered that whole episode with Kanye on. It is ridiculous and insane. We're going to talk about um, what, what Alex uh, said to a caller um, after Kanye was on the show. Okay. So uh, let's see how this goes. And, and this ties in, obviously, because uh, Alex keeps bringing up fascism mm-hmm. as relates to COVID response policies. Uh, that's the tie-in with this one. But Benedict, this clip is not good. Okay, let's go. Not good. Not good. John in Nebraska, you're on the air. Yeah, Alex. Uh, pros and cons on yay. Um, the... so first off, pros and cons mm-hmm. on yay. There are no pros. Nope. So, no pros. So you've already lost. You've mm-hmm. already lost. But yep. Let's see what he has to say. January 26, 1995, New York Times. Poland lowers Auschwitz death toll from 4 million to 1.5 million. This isn't great, Kevin. This is bad. I will say this is bad. Alex has has a Holocaust denier calling into the show. Let's see how he reacts to that. That right there would mean you have to lower the 6 to 3.5. And another point on the same date, January 26th, 1891, New York Times. Russia's population of five to six million Jews, dash, about six million persecuted, miserable wretches. If you check, um, what's his name here? Uh, Nick Collerstrom, K-O-L-L. He has 287 headlines from 1850 to 1945 that pair the term six with million Jews. Okay. Okay. Just the fact that Alex is allowing this caller to continue talking, incredibly troubling. (laughs) Feels like we shouldn't let him continue talking, to be honest. (laughs) Well, Benedict, we are in the business of looking at these things correctly, so I think we're going to continue a little bit. Uh, let, let's let's just say none of what this guy is saying is right. Let's oh yes, get that on the record. Yeah, no, no. So that's a yay uh, for uh, that's a pro for yay in my opinion. Sorry, a yay negative. You can't go from zero to Hitler in five seconds. That's okay. You should. So there, should be, there should be no zero to Hitler <laughs> at all. I would say that's more, that would be my argument. <laughs> He got to Hitler too fast. He did an acceleration <laughs> yes. at Hitler. Yeah, okay. okay. Too fast to Hitler. Yeah, you. Yeah, you got to take the back road. And to be to fair, I mean, this so. caller gets Alex's game. He gets it. Yeah. You can't just go zero to Hitler. It's all about slow walking people into Hitler, like Alex mm-hmm. has done his entire career. Hoof. Poof. 
or you'll lose the listener immediately. Are you there, buddy? I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's quite the you, term. You can't go from zero to Okay. I bet Alex wishes he wasn't still there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I so certainly wish I wasn't still there. For yay, Dunkirk. If people take a step back on Dunkirk. Sure, Hitler let been, the British Expeditionary Force leave. Yes, from May 27 to June 4, 1940, Hitler allows the Brits over 338,000 folks to evacuate. That was a beach a few hundred yards wide at most and a mile or two in length. He could have taken them out in a half hour, but he wanted peace, which my next no. point is... That's okay. not what happened. Okay, Benedict. <laughs> so pro for Kanye, pro for Kanye hmm. is that Hitler didn't massacre everyone at Dunkirk. Because yeah. he wanted peace. Well, that's okay. That's not actually why, but that's fine. <laughs> that's what that's propagandists insane. say about what happened. This is insane. This is insane. Do how many people know Hitler made seven peace offers between 1933 and? That's right. Albert Speer was uh, not Albert Speer. That was his uh, Ministry of Interior, and it was uh, Rudolf Hess's deputy Führer actually f parachuted into one of the castles with the peace deal. Yes, May 10, 1941, he was imprisoned in solitary confinement until he was murdered in 1987. So mm, mm. Alex, 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 your caller just said that Albert or Rudolf Hess was murdered. That mm. might be a sign for yep. you of where his sympathies lie. Kevin, I think there have been more than once. I don't think anything <laughs> that subtle. I, I know, but it's just the fact that Alex is not picking up on or pretending not to pick up on any of the clear signals he is talking to yeah. a Nazi. Anyway, also that guy said the peace offers were between 1933 and 1940, which like, okay. <laughs> You know, before the war Mostly started. Mostly before the war started in earnest, yes. <laughs> also, I don't remember. I'm I'm not yet over 40, so I haven't started binging uh, World War II documentaries and books <laughs> yet. Uh, but my recollection was that Hess parachuted into uh, uh, UK uh, when things were not going great for the Nazis. Yeah. That was my recollection. 1941 is what they said, yeah. So. so they wanted to shut up Rudolf Hess. Yeah, because he was the no. deputy. Well, you always know your history. I'm not disagreeing with you. Thanks, mm, buddy. Mm, Alex, you should disagree. Yeah, you should it. disagree yeah, really hard. It's true. Here's my final point, and this is a blockbuster. At 7.27 p.m. Central Standard Time this last Sunday, December 4th, on America's favorite television program, Yellowstone. Okay. Yellowstone is people the blockbuster, Ben. No, people do really like Yellowstone. He's Look, not wrong I, there. That's the first correct thing he might have said. Every person over 50 I know does love Yellowstone. That yeah. is correct. That is absolutely correct. Um, I've never seen a single episode. But yeah, uh, yeah we don't need to hear anything beyond uh, this guy saying the blockbuster evidence was on an episode of Yellowstone. No. Whew, so that's how wow. Alex is handling his clear connection to Nazis. I I'll also say... Say not well. He went on Steven Crowder and started shitting on uh, uh, Nick Fuentes, who Alex has given a platform to for years who now. Who started shitting on Nick Fuentes? Alex did. Okay. Alex did. Okay. I mean, he equivocated about Nick. I didn't know that he was into all that Hitler stuff, yeah, was okay. the gist of it. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Yeah, Alex, you've had the guy on your show repeatedly. You had him at a conference you prepared. You have promoted him. You have hosted his videos on your website. You knew damn well that Nick was a fucking little Nazi shithead. Uh-huh. You knew damn well. But, uh, well, Benedict, should we jump into the book <laughs> after that? Yeah, I guess. Why don't we get back after all that? Why don't we get back to... Uh, the second half of Chapter 4 of The Great Reset by Alex Jones, America's most prominent mole. I don't know. I, I didn't have anything. Uh, what are, are moles cancerous? Are those the ones? Uh, or is it... Yeah, that, well, they can be. Okay, can, whatever a cancerous they mole They can is, be that... if exposed to more sunlight, which is okay. quite apt. <laughs> okay. Benedict, what did we read this week? Well, we read the second half of chapter... What chapter are we on now? Chapter four? Four. four. Uh, I just then, said it. I said the, it 30 yeah, sorry, seconds no, ago. No, I know. I, sorry. Then then came COVID-19, mm-hmm. uh, in which Alex kind of loses the thread of his argument, honestly, uh, having started off strong. Did he ever have a thread? Uh, no, he definitely had a thread of like the 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 planning exercise and like this was all by design, and then he just kind of rambles for a lot of this. Yeah, I, I could um, not pick out anything from the second half of it. Yeah, you're right. right. There was a little bit of some through line in the beginning. I couldn't figure out what's the point of yeah. the second half of this. Yeah, that's it. I really so, couldn't figure hard it out. Hard to say. But we begin on page 81, after where we left off, where he had three little uh, asterisks for us to indicate a change, where he says, quote, And whom did Schwab choose to praise in the COVID-19 crisis? Not the scientific dissidents, such as those who signed the Great Barrington Declaration, mm. who would never have sent elderly people with the virus back into nursing homes. What? I mean, and... That doesn't make any sense. They were all saying that COVID isn't as bad as you think and we should let it run rampant, weren't they? Have I, mean, I, I yeah, misremembering that, that? Yeah, that's one thing I was going to point out. We <laughs> talked about the Great Barrington Declaration last time. Go back and listen to that episode if you want to know about it. Uh, basically, it was a bunch of people saying, uh, well, you know, to be to be fair, I guess, maybe their point was, well, keep old people safe and let everybody else die. Yeah. That might have been sort of what they were about, but Maybe. they're just a bunch of pieces of shit who didn't know what the fuck they were talking, or had very political reasons for saying what they were saying. But continuing, the same dissidents who would have made the decision to allow the use of drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, given their decades-long history of safe usage, likely saving the lives of hundreds of thousands of the United States <laughs> and millions around the globe. Ivermectin, I think, fact, the horse tranquilizer, not horse tranquilizer, what is it, horse the worm dewormer. paste? Yeah. Horse dewormer. Oh. And a lot of... We, that I'm surprised hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin haven't come up more in yeah. this chapter than they have. But just for people who aren't aware of the whole situation around that, both of those were shown in preliminary studies to have some potential impact when they were introduced to COVID-19 in uh, Petri dishes. Petri dishes are not the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount, for example, uh, I remember reading something about ivermectin. The amount of ivermectin that it would take in order to re- uh, uh, get the concentration that would have the effect on the virus that they achieved in the Petri dishes, you would have to eat like five pounds of ivermectin. Also, like, bleach would kill it in a Petri dish. Doesn't mean you yes! should be, you know. Exactly. <laughs> The, the studies Please never showed anything bleach beyond to kill COVID. That is that what initial the, impact that is an official position did. of this podcast. Yes, follow up studies showed that these things did not have an effect on COVID nineteen when they were used uh, in outside of these petri dish studies. Uh, but these people are still, of course, they don't care about any of the follow up. They have their initial hook. 
ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. They'll point out that uh, uh, ivermectin uh, had, uh, was it, oh, I forget which one actually now, one of the two had, won the Nobel Prize, Benedict, won the Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. And then they neglect the, the fact that it won the Nobel Prize as an antiparasitic, not an yep. antiviral. Yep, yep. Uh, because that's what it is. It's an antiparasitic. So, continuing on, quote, no, that didn't happen. Klaus Schwab saw fit to praise the Chinese. Yes, the same Chinese communists who in all likelihood created the virus. Remember, he told us he wasn't going to be arguing that throughout the rest of this chapter. And then allowed for its spread by locking down internal travel from Wuhan while allowing it to the rest of the world. The same Chinese communist whose opening to the world was led by globalists Henry Kissinger and Zbigniew Brzezinski. Kissinger and Brzezinski saw fit to teach the Chinese how to set up an economy run by scientists, engineers, and managers, while at the same time depriving their citizens of any political freedoms. The Chinese citizens could have a fat belly and an expensive car, but they'd better have an empty head when it came to criticizing their leaders. And to be fair, the Chinese position... That is basically the uh, Chinese policy. Well, also it has been like... (laughs) the criticism of the position has kind of been vindicated now because they've had to back down from it because they started being protests and being like, well, can we not do this? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, they've backed away from their zero COVID policy. Um, But also, like, it's not incumbent upon the Chinese government to stop people from traveling internationally. Like, like people could have been like, hey, we're not going to accept anyone who's been in Wuhan recently quicker than they were. Yeah, I mean, imagine if Alex, ha- if the, the positions were flipped. Yeah. And if the United States had prevented American citizens from international travel, the blow-up Alex would have had over that. Yeah. Exactly. He would have been absolutely, he would have been tyranny. It would exactly. have been fascism. Exactly. But when it's the Chinese doing it, they're, because that's them. They that's should have done us. it. They should have done a fascism. And, and they aren't real humans to Alex, right? It's that thing, like, you're only capable of recognizing the humanity of, like, X number of people, like, a couple hundred people who you know personally. And then there's, like, this this gap where people that you have no awareness of or uh, direct connection to, you just have... It's just a psychological thing. You have more difficulty recognizing their humanity. I like to think that I'm a little better than, than a lot of people in being empathetic and experiencing other people as human, but uh, mm-hmm. I certainly don't see Alex as being able to do that here. No, no, no. He's, yeah, he, I mean, immediately the tell with him is like, there's no sympathy for anyone. He's just like, I should be allowed to have been as free as possible. Yeah, it's what it's always all about. Always is, he, yeah. He wants his guns and no taxes. That's yeah. all he really cares about, yeah, he yeah. said many times. So he gives us now a quote from Klaus Schwab's COVID-19, The Great Reset, uh, which is basically the rest of the chapter, a bunch of quote. I think there's one or a, one or two other things he quotes in here, but most of them are coming from that Klaus Schwab book, which if you remember, mm-hmm. last time we looked at the book, I had noted, is available for free online, which of course allows me to fact check everything that Alex says about that book. And, of course, he's lying about most of what he's saying. So, what he starts off with here is this quote from a section in Klaus Schwab's book, which is titled, The Growing Rivalry Between China and the U.S. And uh, let's just see what Alex has quoted from here, where it says, quote, this is the quote from Klaus Schwab. All these prompted, all all these what? Why are we beginning uh, a quotation with an all these without telling us what all these is. Keep that in mind. <laughs> what Benedict. all these is. Yeah. Keep that okay. in mind. Yeah, Prompted right. Kishore Mabubani. 
don't you, I'm sure I, I mean you tried. you tried you tried yeah I fucking tried an influential analyst of the rivalry that opposes the US and China to argue that COVID-19 has reversed the roles of both countries in terms of dealing with disasters and supporting others while in the past the US was always the first to arrive with aid uh, with aid where assistance was needed like on 26 December 2004 when a major tsunami hit to Indonesia this role now belongs to China he says in March 2020, China sent to Italy 31 tons of medical equipment, ventilators, masks, and protective suits, that the EU could not provide. Mababani says that it is their choices, China and the U.S., that will determine who wins the rivalry contest and that those will be based on the cold calculus of reason to work out cost-benefit analyses of what both the U.S. and China have to offer them. Now, Alex says about that, mm. does it sound like Schwab has a nation crush on China? It does to me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the, uh, the, the. Okay. It is a genuine thing that happened at the time that China was using this as a soft power exercise. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. is the thing that we're like, hey, we are ahead of the game on this. Take some of our events. Like, like I remember when Italy had its issues early on. I remember it being in the news that China was sending them ventilators, and even I think New York. Like when New York got hit hard by the virus early, early on. I think I'm pretty sure they sent doctors and and nurses and stuff over to help. Yeah. So it was a huge soft power exercise for China. Um, okay, but the... I, w- I want to focus a little bit. I get what you're saying. Absolutely true. China did use it as a soft power exercise. But I also want to focus on the fact that that paragraph was not a glowing love of China. It was Klaus Schwab quoting another guy yeah. who's talking about how China is winning in the soft power conflict yeah it's a, we've got to be States. better because and, yeah and, and it comes in a section titled the growing rivalry between china in the u.s and further in a subsection titled china as a winner right that subsection by the way is followed by a subsection titled the u.s as a winner okay followed by another subsection titled no winner <laughs> <laughs> This whole followed by another subsection titled "We're all fucked." Followed by another subsection (laughs) titled "What's even the point?" Followed by another subsection. This whole section of the slow descent into nihilism as this man is writing his book. I love it. Yeah, it's just an explanation of the different arguments for how China versus the U.S. or neither are winning in the soft power conflict during COVID nineteen. Yeah. It's not prescriptive in any way. It is no. entirely descriptive. That's we, always what happens. That's yeah. always what happens. Yeah, and like immediately, but those all these that part that he didn't quote was uh, three bullet points that came before the part he quoted, uh, which uh, begin with the argument of those who claim that the pandemic crisis has benefited China while exposing the weakness of the U.S. is threefold. And then there's three points, right? It made America's strength as a military power irrelevant because it's a virus, not a military threat. Um, the second one is, in the words of the American academic who coined the expression, it hurt the U.S. soft power because of the incompetence of its response. And then there's a paragraph that explains what he means by that. And then the third one it is exposed aspects of American society that some may find shocking, like the deep inequalities in the face of the outbreak, the lack of universal medical coverage, and the issue of systemic racism raised by the Black Lives Matter movement. So he didn't quote that part. Nope. He just took a completely out of context passage said that it's glowing of China when it clearly isn't and doesn't address the fact that the rest of that section of the book deals with other 
points. Kevin, the opposite point. As are you accusing fact. Alex Jones of taking something out of context yes, and I am, presenting Alex. it to suit? Did his I just own call you agenda? Alex? You did, yeah, because I also <laughs> love to do that. <laughs> so fair point. Fair point, well made. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So Alex continues, quote. Uh, skipping down a little ways. Like our founding fathers, I believe our rights are an inheritance from God, who loves us above all things. And the attempt to create a society devoid of such rights strikes me as truly of the devil. I think, okay, so having not really been exposed to a huge amount of Alex Jones before doing this, mm-hmm. other than like the, uh, you know, the stuff that makes it into the mainstream, yeah. I think yeah. what has surprised me the most is how, like, jesus versus devil it is a lot of it like i think i didn't understand i don't think i really understood that that is like a central part of it because that comes up like twice a chapter it's like alex the devil versus yeah well okay i I can't say alex thinks because that's putting me inside the man you know what i mean yeah if you take him at his word he believes he is fighting the literal alex portrays that he's fighting the christian devil Yes. yes If you look at the situation, you can see that Alex is very keenly aware that the majority of his audience are very hard-right Christian nationalists who do believe that they are fighting the literal Christian devil. And Alex knows he can exploit that for his own gain Mm -hmm. in selling dehydrated food buckets and whatnot, right? Um, But he continues, immediately after what I've just read, I wish I didn't have to resort to such extreme language, but if I didn't, I'd be lying to you. I'm telling you what I think. We are not just the physical. And he literally goes on and talks about how all the the fascists, uh, you know, Italy and the Nazis and the communists of the Soviet Union, they all said government was their god. Yeah, it's it's a weird aside, honestly. Like, it's a very odd, just because it's only like two paragraphs. And he's like, we all have spiritual commitments and we have to do things. And the fascists had government as their god and that was bad. Anyway, COVID, (laughs) like, what? It's it's a, it's a very weird aside, but I mean, switch, if you've yeah. listened to Alex Jones for any period of time, you know that weird asides are the man's bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, I thankfully I haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he goes on next. And it the also next thing works differently in like I feel like that sounds way more natural when you're talking. When you insert when it's it on the page, into yeah, yeah, when it's on the page, you're like. Because there's that little thing people do where they pause what they were saying and they sort of indicate through the pause and a tonal shift. Yeah, and reanalyze it. And you look, I know we're talking about this, but actually, like, I just want to say, like, I know we're all spiritual creatures. And, like, that's the framework I view this through. Anyway, that's given that COVID. Like, you can do that talking. Yeah, it very well could be that this is just this ghostwriter not having the talent to, (laughs) to organize a chapter properly and just doing it as though he was talking. It's very possible. If he opened with this, I would be okay, almost. Like, sure. Like, this is my framework for viewing the world. Not okay. That way <laughs> over describes the, how I would be. But, uh, like, as a device, that is then okay. Because you're like, sure. this is it's, the framework nice through which I'm viewing this. Yeah. It's a nice flourish. I get it. I get it. Uh, so he goes on and he's talking about how, you know, one of the arguments he's making here is that, uh, you know, all this globalism... Uh, they're they're now they're using it for climate change. Mm-hmm. They're saying COVID nineteen, so we got to do climate change. Um, and he notes in here uh, a quote, which I believe is from Klaus Schwab. Uh, well, we'll talk about it. Uh, but uh, this is a quote from a a news article uh, 
uh, here, which which involves Klaus Schwab, um, in which they say that these leaders, these people, who he's not clear who they are, are going to make good use of the pandemic by not letting the crisis go to waste. Ah, I remember now. This is from the book. I, I didn't write down where this was from uh, in my notes on the page. This is from, of course, the Klaus Schwab book where most of this is from. <laughs> but the only interesting part of it, which I will read for you, is, quote, they will, in effect, make good use of the pandemic by not letting the crisis go to waste. And then there's a parenthetical, a famous statement attributed to Chicago Mayor and Obama Chief of Staff Rahm Emanuel. And continuing, the exhortation of different leaders ranging from HRH, the Prince of Wales, to Andrew Cuomo to build back better goes in that direction. So that's a quote from Klaus Schwab. And then Alex says about that, which is always the more interesting part, quote, as I've said before, the answer to any question for these globalists seems to be more globalism. Got a pandemic? How about managing it badly, then claiming you see a, you need a more powerful government for the next time? Why These do you think it was managed really badly? Are shameless. Yeah, it, it's funny because he's admitting that that is Trump managing it badly, but without admitting that it's Trump managing well, it badly. Well, you know, Trump did great. It was all the blue states yeah, that did it bad. That's you know, true. That's, I mean, some of the blue th- blue states did fuck up. I will. I will look be at Florida's about death that. numbers. No, why would we do that? Yeah. Why would we do a thing like that? So uh, he has an aside about Andrew Cuomo and the sexual assault allegations that drove him out of office. Cool, fine, don't care. Uh, But then he has a funny line, which I had to highlight, which is, quote, Maybe Schwab is betting on Prince Charles becoming King of England, where he will most likely be the least popular king in English history. Kevin, we beheaded one of our kings. (laughs) I was about to say! (laughs) I think you've beheaded multiple, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, but one of them was a whole thing, like... One of them was on the throne and was like, I have the divine right of God to rule. And then we were like, no, you don't. And cut his head off. Like, we... <laughs> that okay, was but a look, whole Benedict, thing. Uh, Charles was rude to that guy who brought his pens. So this yeah, is all that's just true. really... That's true. There, there have been... Uh, look, Charles isn't going to be the most popular king in British no, he's history. Not. That's no, fine. He's not. Like, we can all say that. He's also like... Meghan a... Markle's kid's going to be the most popular. Yeah, that's who well, it's going to be. He's After not he... going to be king kills the rest of the royal family well, and takes maybe, the rightful yeah. throne back that's 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 who's yeah. the most popular um but yeah we've definitely had more unpopular kings we've definitely <laughs> many of them have been violently ended so yeah i love that mm-hmm. so much that's just the greatest i mean like every time i find a great line in whatever section of the chapter we're doing and that one's just spectacular just absolutely it's also just like you know he probably was like uh looking back at like survey data for like popularity that only goes back mm-hmm. to like the 60s and we've only had one monarch <laughs> since then so he's like well i guess technically if you look at the survey least data popular of the two he's the least popular of the two monarchs that have sat on the english phone for since yeah, it's just because elizabeth had better better teeth than Charles. Yeah, that's true. Uh, better ears, certainly. Because As a fellow big eared man. <laughs> okay. I sympathize. Uh- so next, uh, you know, he calls them supervillains, blah, blah, blah. And he starts talking about technology now, right? Talking about uh, surveillance technology. And we know that Alex is lying uh, and says that these people are want more surveillance technology, uh, don't want any limits placed on surveillance yeah. because they're all about China. They're all about China well, and watching people all day, every day. That, and also he like quotes bits from like people talking about the possibilities of surveillance within articles that are like, hey, wouldn't that be bad? Yeah. <laughs> Which, and, and, yeah. God, okay, we'll talk about him right yeah, now. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about him right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, let's just do it now. We may as well. So the, yeah, let's do it as it comes up on the page as <laughs> we're planning to do. We'll do it, do it live. <laughs> so the first one he talks about is, of course, from 
uh, uh, Klaus Schwab's book, COVID-19, Great Reset. Uh, and the, the section he quotes is not very interesting. Um, it's just that, A, certain communication technologies are in every part of our lives. The one thing that stands out to me is that he has an ellipsis in there. And that comes at this point. Quote, the risk of dystopia stems from this observation, dot, dot, dot. In academia, it finds expression in the research undertaken by scholars like blah, 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 and then it continues. And it's mentioning this woman is warning about surveillance capitalism. That's what it's talking about. But the portion that is left out of that is the portion that I will always go to and look for because, I mean, why did you leave that out is always a question I'm <laughs> interested in. The portion that was left out, and, and I have two theories as to why this was left out. We'll talk about it after I read it for you. But I'll read for you the full section. The risk of possible dystopia stems from, this, stems from this observation. Over the past few years, it has nourished countless works of art, ranging from novels like The Handmaid's Tale to the TV series Black Mirror. And then we get to our In Academia It Finds Expression. So the portion that was left out was the mentioning of The Handmaid's Tale and Black Mirror. Mm. The, so I two have famous two dystopias. I have two theories as to why those were left out. And one is more likely than the other. The first one is... Alex or the ghostwriter uh, read that portion and went, "What the fuck are those two shows? None mm. of my none of my people know about those. They don't give a shit about those two. Uh, who cares?" No, there's no way you don't know what The Handmaid's Tale is. I, uh, Alex no, definitely knows. No, Alex no. definitely knows. Yeah, there's no second way. less likely, more interesting. Alex likes the dystopia of The Handmaid's Tale yeah. and left it out on purpose that because feels, it's what that he feels wants. more right. That feels more. Or I think even more likely, uh, uh, option two point five. Alex knows that his audience likes the dystopia of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and wanted to leave that out. Uh, I don't know. Seems interesting to me. So he talks about that. Uh, Alex is really boring about it. Now we finally get our first mention of uh, Yuval Noah Hariri. Uh, that's the first time we yeah, get Yeah, whom the next chapter is going to be entirely yes. devoted to. So Benedict is very excited about that because <laughs> oh. he read Sapiens and I didn't. I read uh, Sapiens and I started Homo Deus. I think I have it somewhere. I might speed read it before the next you time. Might, you might have to skim through it just yeah. to, to have one of us who has a basic knowledge of the source material <laughs> yeah. for the next one. Because I'm not gonna. No, I know. Uh, but now he gives us a quote. And this quote is within Klaus Schwab's COVID-19, The Great Reset. But it is where Klaus Schwab is quoting an article from Hariri. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on here. Harari, Hariri, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, pronunciation is of people's I mean, names is never It's an A. Reason. The second vowel is an A, so it's not easy. Okay, but you're from the UK. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I just saw like a TikTok the other day of some British dude explaining the northern versus the southern pronunciation of, of A's. Kant. Oh, yeah. Versus can't, yeah, um, that sort of stuff. Oh, but anyway, okay, like grass, grass versus grass. Yes, something yeah, like that. Grass. Uh, but it ex it says, "quote Surveillance technology is developing at breakneck speed, and what seemed like science fiction ten years ago is today old news." As a thought experiment, consider a hypothetical government that demands that every citizen wears a biometric bracelet that monitors body temperature and heart rate twenty four hours a day. The resulting data is hoarded and analyzed by government algorithms. The algorithms will know that you are sick even before you know it. And they will also know where you have been and who you have met. The chains of infection could be drastically shortened and even cut altogether. And that's where the quote from Hariri ends. Mm -hmm. And to be fair to Alex, he does say, quote, in fairness to Harari's article from March 2020, he does go on to detail the danger of such a system in the hands of government that could also monitor your enthusiasm at a political rally or while watching certain shows, but the discussion doesn't seem to go any further. 
Um, okay. Benedict, would you be surprised to learn that even within the Klaus Schwab book that Alex got that quote from, the discussion does go much further <laughs> about the downsides of that sort of technology? It would not surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Harari didn't explore it any further during a short article in whatever, yeah. wherever it let was. Me, let yeah. me read for you, uh, starting exactly where Alex cut off that quote, where Harari continues, saying, quote, Sounds wonderful, right? The downside is, of course, that this would give legitimacy. Oh, so legitimacy. literally a sentence later. <laughs> this would give legitimacy to a terrifying new surveillance system. If you know, for example, that I clicked on a Fox News link rather than a CNN link, that can teach you something about my political views mm-hmm. and perhaps even my personality. But if you can, bon- mon- you know, that's where he gets into the body temperature, blood pressure, blah, blah, blah. As you watch a video clip, you learn what makes you laugh, what makes you cry, what makes you angry. He goes on for a, a good deal longer for that, yeah. and it's not great. It's it's not great for Alex's point. No, that that's he doesn't why he really cuts deal. it there. Yeah, of course that's where Alex cuts it. Wow. But then Alex says, quote, As an observation, I must note a pattern I've noticed in Schwab's work. He seems to acknowledge the arguments of the other side, but never really addresses them. And to that, the only I response I laughed out is, loud. <laughs> the only response is, Alex, no, you just cut off his quotes when he starts addressing them. No, because that's what they all do. They, like every, yeah. th- do you mean how many times we were with like Glenn Beck and he was like, yeah. I acknowledge that this is the other, what the other side thinks. Anyway, like it's, it's yeah. the modus operandi. Yeah. It really is both, both in the sense of not addressing the other side's arguments and also in the sense of lying about what the other side is saying. They, they all do the same thing. We've seen it so many times in all the books we've gone over. Okay. One, one thing that made me, happens. made me laugh is I, like, actually this book is surprisingly well and noted. Like mm-hmm. it's it's all like fairly well sourced. Yes. Um. It's mostly just Klaus Schwab's book, which is fine. <laughs> um. Because this is basically like a a battle rap about Klaus Schwab's book. That's what, essentially what this, <laughs> oh, this book is. Oh, we need those guys who did the Mises yeah. versus Marx rap to do a Klaus Schwab versus Alex good. Jones rap. My the funny thing about that noticing though is because it's all from that. It's all Ibid, and anyone who has done any like scholarly work will know mm-hmm. that just means like same as before. But yeah. it just means like Ibidem. Yeah, yeah. But my in my head, it's just Alex Jones going Ibid, 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 Ibid like a frog, Ibid, Ibid. <laughs> like a gay frog. <laughs> That's, they're turning him into a gay frog. That's it. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're going to talk a little bit about one of his citations in a moment. We're okay. going to talk about it. Uh, but, he but I will say it's better and noted than most of them have been. It, uh, I don't know. I mean, okay. Are you talking about the quality of his, his end notes? Because no, a lot of these are no, no. no-name blogs. No, they no. But as in, like, mark, every, time you know. he, every time he does a quote, he puts the source in. Like... It, it, yeah, oh, he, oh he no, allow me to, to prove you wrong in okay, about two pages. All right, okay. uh, allow all right. me to sh- point to you an example of direct plagiarism okay. in about two pages. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Great, coming. can't wait. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I know, I know yeah. better for next time. So he continues, in Schwab's case, though, he's just pretending to be the manager. He's really angling to be the boss. He wants to be the one you complain to about being fired. But in reality, He's the one who made the decision. Okay, just a writerly note, that is three separate paragraphs when it needs to be one. Like, that is yep. not three separate paragraphs. I don't know why he did that. It's three sentences, because for emphasis. Probably. So we get to the next section. There's three asterisks, and we get a new section now. Which just and- continues from what we had before. Yeah, it really does. I mean, he has, I'm not even going to read you this block quote, because it's boring. It's Schwab recognizing that government could 
have detrimental uh, interference with businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, if they just, you know, take, for example, you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida going after Disney World because they're not hating gays the way he wants them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says about it, quote, This might strike you as the initial setup of a conservative speaker, but it's not. This is the opening gambit of a fascist. That's very funny to me because those can overlap. (laughs) Well, the funny thing is what he gets onto when he's actually talking about this on the next page is just the idea of stakeholder capitalism, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about before during this book. Well, that's a public-private partnership, Kevin, and you know that's that's fascist. Actually, it's not even, right? It's just the idea that companies be aware of their impact yeah, on ESG. the world. Yeah, ESG. It's like, it's a very right. like, standard thing. And I mean, they hate ESG. Alex Jones yeah, and yeah. all his ilk hate ESG, which is something that most big companies do, right? They they don't actually do it's all the things they should do. Exercise. Yeah, they, they shouldn't. They don't do all the things they actually should do if they yeah. were actually committed to those ideals. But they have like frameworks in place to yeah. look good to investors. They, they say the right words to look good to yes, investors. That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. So skipping a, about a page now, because I got pretty bored with this one. There's not really much going on here. Uh, he has he has like some weird quote about psychology from Schwab. You know, whenever somebody starts talking about what psych- I will say, Schwab's say, writing is weird. Like to be fair to Alex, Schwab also, says some weird things. Like and Schwab just has too much time on his hands and shouldn't write as many books as he does. Is yeah. is my opinion. <laughs> I have a feeling that Schwab's book might have also been written by a ghostwriter. Yeah, so something Klaus Schwab and Alex have in common. Yeah. Uh, but on page 87, we'll pick back up where he says, quote, For all their supposed brilliance, it's remarkable how little these globalists seem to want to engage in any type of intellectual debate. They will simply want to prevent any debate from happening. The only question seems to be who has the authority to speak. After, what that, <clears throat> after that, we're supposed to believe the words that spill from the mouth as if we're listening to the voice of God. And then goes into one of the... Okay, yeah, let's... Uh, we can come back to that. But, like, goes into one of the most gross, like, domestic abuse analogies that I have ever seen written down on a page. Yeah, I mean, I also, I had this this little uh, flare in the back of my mind where I went, didn't another of our writers do that too? Use it to... Me- was it Glenn Beck who did a domestic abuse yeah, analogy some, that was some gross? Some kind of abuser, yeah. Yeah, like I think that. a lot of these people do that. Yeah. And, we know, don't, need to, we don't need to go into it. There's a domestic we don't abuse analogy to. there. No, yeah. it's just the, it's oh, you gross. know, the relationship starts great and then they start abusing you. And then you blah, make blah, excuses. Blah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. It's really gross. So next page we get to, <coughs> and this I loved, but you need to be aware of how Schwab's plans to get to that good place. I don't... and. and Right. That I, I didn't read that incorrectly. That no. was his. That was his sentence. Period. You need to be aware of how Schwab plans to get to that good place. Um, I don't want you to forget for a second the line in which he wrote, No extreme scenario can now be taken off the table. And Benedict, I also don't want anyone to forget that line. <laughs> Because if you remember that line, I explained to you last time we did this yep. book how Alex was fucking lying about that line. Yeah. Completely fucking lying, and it meant the exact opposite of what Alex was talking about. Notably, no end note on that quote. <laughs> no. You're no. right. And if, you, if you don't remember, uh, you can go back, listen to that. The basic of it is, that was Klaus Schwab saying that it's possible governments could crumble because of what COVID has done. Mm-hmm. Alex turned that into Klaus Schwab is saying he can do anything to you if you don't agree with him. Yep. It had nothing to do like with Like making what you Alex eat Klaus bugs. Was. 
make eat bugs. Making specifically Alex Jones eat bugs. If we ever make anyone <laughs> eat bugs, it should be Alex Jones. Well, like if we're gonna he, force anyone, <laughs> like let, if we're gonna do it one time, it should be Alex Jones that it happens Benedict. to. Alex is good friends with former Fear Factor host Joe Rogan. So, yeah. if I know somebody who can get Alex to eat bugs... Joe Rogan, if you're listening, <laughs> make Alex Jones eat a bug. Please, I'm so begging. we need to start a change.org petition <laughs> to get Joe Rogan to make Alex eat bugs. Oh, that'd be wonderful. But he says, quote, With that quote fresh in your mind, I want you to consider... Oh. Consider the following passage... From the conclusion of COVID-19, The Great Reset. Just I, that, we're, uh, After this, we're going to get to one of the weirdest paragraphs I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. Uh, but the quote from uh, Klaus Schwab is, quote, The absolute prerequisite for a proper Great Reset is greater collaboration and cooperation within and between countries. Cooperation, a supremely human cognitive ability that put our species on its unique and extraordinary trajectory, can be summed up as shared intentionality to act together towards a common goal. We simply cannot progress without it. Okay, and then he can, says I, about can, it. I, can I please read his words? <laughs> yes, Imagine yes, reading that and then your reaction being, <laughs> when I read that passage, I'm filled with fear. It's the most banal, <laughs> we should all work together for the common good bullshit I have, I have read ever. And then he says, this is the key. They want your cooperation, just like the vampire of legend needs an invitation to cross the threshold of the house. Not just say vampires. Don't say the vampire of legend. The vampire of legend. The globalists want you to invite them into your lives. So that's anti-Semitic, presumably, somehow. I mean, Benedict, after what we've seen Alex doing today in our clip, I'm not going to say anything he says is not anti-Semitic. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh boy, this is something here. This is really something. Uh, but he says, uh, uh, you know, just to sum up, uh, that uh, collaboration and cooperation, uh, they're focusing on those words because they don't like individuals or individual achievements, right? That, that's, uh, that goes against their idea of con- complete control of everyone. You can't control people if they believe that they're individuals with individual achievements. It has to be all about collaboration and cooperation. Same line we've heard. You absolutely can control people, by the way. That's 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 wrong. Like, if everyone's going for individual achievements, then that that promotes a hyper idealistic and hyper individualistic way of being and performing. Like, I I I think you're just controlling people in a different Mm -hmm. way. Alex has never heard of the Steam achievements. uh, Is the one thing I'll say. Alex Uh, has never seen a leaderboard in his life. (laughs) (laughs) For all my gamers out there, but. So he continues. He has another one about Schwab. And again, it's just the only interesting thing about all these Schwab quotes that he puts in here are the Alex, like, pre-reactions and post-reactions to the quotes. To the most banal shit you've ever read in your life. Right. Like uh, uh, this one, before the quote, he says, quote, Schwab wrote on the last page of his COVID-19 book to make you sure that if you disagree with him, you realize you're not one of the cool kids at school. That's before the quote. Yeah. And then after the quote, he says, quote, do you get it? Everybody is demanding a better world. Get with the program. You don't want to be left behind. You might be forced to eat your lunch all by yourself in the high school cafeteria. Which is sad because it's Alex's reality that he is forced to eat his yeah. lunch all by himself. Also, there's a good line that he could have put in there to, to help counter argument. And he could have said, but at least you won't be eating bugs. But he mm. failed to do it because he's a fucking idiot. Yep. 
has has no craft. Has no craft. Uh, but he says about a paragraph below that, it's why the globalists are going after the disruptive people, like Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, or Elon Musk. Which is pretty much what the RNC tweeted. <laughs> I, I put Kanye on the list. I, I did an edition symbol, an editorial edition symbol, and I put Kanye, because Kanye's on that fucking list, Alex. Yeah. You'll never separate yourself from him. They can't stand anybody making fun of them, is the end of that sentence. Who boy? Isn't that something? Who boy? So the Nearly next there. one we get... Nearly there. <laughs> yeah, we're getting near the end here, finally. So we get talking about the World Economic Forum and the Davos meeting in uh, 2022. So they did it in May of 2022. I guess in January that year they were virtual, but then they did an in-person meeting in May. Um, and he starts off... And it is ostentatious, a... and they all suck. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not Alex's argument. No. It's that they're drinking baby blood and want to make you eat bugs and control the world and blah, blah, blah. Uh, the first quote he gives us is from a Euro News article. Mm-hmm. Uh, not an outlet I'm particularly familiar with, but it's just bland talking it's about just how a, they're... It's like a centrist European news. like Yeah, and the whole like thrust of the quote is just like, it's a difficult time that the World Economic Forum is meeting, given COVID-19 and all the multiple challenges going on in the world. Cool. So Alex is, I don't know what his I mean, point is uh, about this that. This is immediately after the invasion of Ukraine as well. Is the thing. Yeah. Like, that, like, literally, I mean, this is March 2022. So and the, the quote like, does mention the yeah. invasion of Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. It does, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he goes on, and he has another Well, then he's quote. like, for the globus, it's always five seconds to midnight on the doomsday clock. Yeah, because a nuclear power just invaded its neighbor. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yep, not a great thing to happen. But, of course... Um, Actually, I'm not sure where Alex sits on that right now because he's gone back and forth several times. I'm pretty sure he's solidly on Russia's side oh, at the yeah, moment. Oh, that would not In the Russia-Ukraine uh, yeah. war. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we get to what I was telling you about, Alex. Uh, Benedict. Where Could Alex... You, okay, that's the second time we need to have an intervention. One more time and we need an intervention. But he says on page 91, quote, Schwab may have wanted to present a warm and welcoming appearance to the rest of the world, but he wasted little time in letting people know that if they didn't behave, he was ready to use an iron fist. Yeah, if people didn't behave at his conference for billionaires, he was going to have them kicked out. No shit. Like, you can't just show up and start yelling at the people that have organized the conference (laughs) that they're wrong and idiots. Like, you can, but it'll get shut down real quick. Like, Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the next, uh, take a look at your your version, Benedict, and tell me if there are quotation marks around what I'm about to read to you. Okay. Because they're not in mine. He says, quote, Schwab warned anyone who sought to trivialize the event or hijack its key messages, including the often mentioned Great Reset, will be treated with contempt. Contrary voices will simply not be tolerated. Benedict, you got quotation marks? No quotation marks. No, 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 none. Oh, because that is a direct word for word copy and paste from the Breitbart article that he quoted the quote from Schwab from where we get the next the next end note there. Okay, that's what he did. Good, good. Complete plagiarism. Just just stolen. Copy paste job. Yeah. So don't you tell me that the end notes in this book are good. They're better than in other books. Yeah, yeah. So he continues and he says, this is a quote uh, from that Breitbart article, quote, the atmosphere in which Davos takes place will be welcoming, but it is also of utmost seriousness, he confided. So there's no place for the frivolous fringe that seeks to distract and divert attention. And I condemn it wholeheartedly, particularly of those uh, who have nothing to do with the World Economic Forum, community, and just come to Davos to hijack our brand. He's talking about people like Alex who go in yeah, bullhorn outside go, of exactly, Davos. Exactly. Ex- that's exactly who this is aimed at. So Klaus yeah. does know about this. He does know. 
Yeah, absolutely he does. Because yeah. Alex and his type have been bullhorning outside of Davos for decades. Yeah, that's true. Oh, God. Wow. Then we get a bunch of bullshit about how Davos is limiting uh, free speech and all these speakers that were there this year. They're all about eliminating free speech. And we start off with Australia's e-safety commissioner, Julia Inman Grant, mm-hmm. who the, the portion of her quote that uh, Alex, I think, finds offensive is, quote, So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online, from the freedom of speech to being free from online violence, she added. Which, I mean, depending on where you fall on things, you could understand that she's talking about freedoms of speech has a corresponding freedom, the the ability to be free from online harassment and violence, uh, and that those two are balanced against each other have to when be. we're looking at how people play out their, their lives online. Mm-hmm. Or you could just be Alex and say that she wants to eliminate freedom of speech. Entirely. You could do one of those yeah, two yeah. things. Yeah. Also, th- the current Australian government is a conservative government. Uh, I don't think it is anymore. It was when he is wrote... Is it? Did that change I, and it, I didn't notice? It was when he wrote this. I think Albanese <laughs> is the president. Uh, the president okay. I... I didn't notice when that changed. Uh, All I mean, the Australians I, 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 I follow been, on Twitter always complaining about the government. No, they love the government now. Sure. It's, I don't know. It's relatively yeah. recent. I, I think when he wrote this, it maybe was not true, but I think... Uh, Could be. On. Also, just weird that uh, in, in Australia, their conservative party is called... The Labour Party. The Liberal Party? Oh, yeah, something. There are some weird, yeah. like... Uh, because I think that's true in Brazil as well. I think the Bolsonaro's party yeah, has like stop doing that. Yeah. Stop doing that. Stop confusing us. <laughs> We're Americans and you need to follow our example. Yes. Yeah, so we Al- run the world. Albanese, who's a, the leader of the Labour Party, has been, uh, is, is the current, uh, since May 2022, has been the leader oh. of Australia. Prime Minister cool. of Australia. Good for you, Australia. Yeah. Good, good for you. People cool. love him uh, too. He's doing well. We like him. Yeah, but uh, he he says that Australia, the current Australian government, whichever one it was when he wrote this chapter, I don't know which, uh, wants to basically uh, get rid of freedom of speech. That's his general argument. Yep. But then he brings up a great example, Benedict, which I love, which is, I'm just going to read you the quote. Yeah. Just going to read it to you. Do it. Do it. Quote. If one wonders if this is the actual plan, eliminating freedom of speech being the plan. Oh, God. One need, o- one need only consider what happened to journalist Jack Posobiec, probably one of the most effective and popular of the Davos critics. That's right. And then we get the story about Jacko being detained by Swiss police, which, in case you were unaware, did not happen. Uh, the only evidence for any of this was some dude who was hanging out with Posobiec who got on video, cops talking to him outside of a restaurant. Nobody knows why. The cops didn't say why. The guy starts yelling at the cops why they're detaining Posobiec. They basically say, we're not. And, and after they finish talking to him, leave. Okay. And he's not detained. He was never frisked or anything like is claimed in this book. Just, that's it. That's it. He All was right. probably being a dick. Yeah. And the cops that would had track to with tell his him to personality, stop. So. And, you know, at some point, we're probably going to have to do an episode about Posobiec. Yeah, I know. Um, and I might, maybe I'll, like, combine it and do, like, uh, Posobiec and Weird Mike in one episode. Because they're, like, in the same pool for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they, they were both involved with Pizzagate, right? They were both yeah, doing the same bullshit. Uh, so maybe that'll end up being an episode of its own. But uh, fun stuff. Really fun stuff going on there. But next we get uh, Susan Wojcicki, uh, the CEO of YouTube, 
whose take is basically moderating us. content is hard on a platform as big as YouTube. Yeah, but okay, I wanted to point before we got to add the actual content moderation thing. The parenthetical that Alex added on the page, now owned by Google. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's been owned by Google for like a decade now. Oh, since like 2010. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. long time. Yeah. Now owned by Google. Like, yeah, well, yeah, everyone knows that, Alex. Everyone knows that. Why did you have to put that on there? But yes, basically, uh, Wajiki went to Davos and gave a speech. And the gist of her speech was, as Benedict said, content moderation is tough. Yeah, like, which it is. It's true. She's not wrong. Yeah, really the gist of it. So she talked about, like, how do we deal with COVID disinformation? And there were two strategies that she talked about. One of them would be to get rid of content that violates the terms of service. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, anything else Jones put out on COVID. Yep. And the second one being elevated uh, information from good sources. Elevating information from, like, authoritative good sources. Those are the two things she talked about. Mm-hmm. Alex says about that in his, his trademark way, quote, It is genuinely remarkable that in this day and age where we have the best educated populace in our history, these big tech companies believe they must resort to such censorship. The old understanding that good ideas will win over bad ideas in the marketplace of thought has been replaced by a mistrust of robust debate. The new answer seems to be to trust the experts, even if they're the ones who might have caused the problem or are profiting from the crisis. And, I mean... I can understand Alex feeling attacked when that was basically directly aimed at people spreading Alex's stuff. Yeah. And the ideas he believes. But I don't think we even really need to address it. Like, yeah, the, the, all of Alex's stuff is bullshit. Yeah. All the COVID dis- defense information was wrong. There is no value to allowing a, to have a platform allowing that stuff to spread on it. There isn't any value. That's the whole marketplace of ideas thing is bullshit when one of the ideas is complete horseshit. Yeah, There's no and, value. And we talked about this last time, I think. Like, at the margins, like, you're always going to convince some people. Like, the, the, mm. there's no... You're never going to have a binary of, like, this is right, this is wrong. So having information that is potentially harmful to people is... Or, and, like, this isn't me being pro-censorship, whatever. Like, but the marketplace of ideas is largely impossible to happen now with the reach that some people have and the level of partisanship we've reached right absolutely because because the the well the i will argue that the idea of the marketplace of ideas was never actually possible of yeah i mean just look at fucking ancient rome because that what happened was thugs took over and started beating people up that disagreed with them like it's not it wasn't some like great debate like Right, it works on the the level of of assuming the people who argue the marketplace of ideas assumes that all ideas have equal value and that the only yeah. uh, choice is between choosing the preference and that all people are perfectly logical and will make the choice that benefits the most people. Absolutely, the most, and like, we know that is not true. Yeah. The Texas Roadhouse restaurant chain still exists, so we, <laughs> we can be pretty fairly certain that people are not entirely logical. You can make honey butter at home. You don't need to go there for those fucking rolls. Not good. Uh, go to TGI Fridays instead. Do not go to TGI the- Fridays instead. Jesus Christ. <laughs> those still even exist. I don't think I've seen one. TGI in Fridays? Yeah, there's like a few uh, in the I city. Know. I don't know if they still exist. I'm surprised there uh, isn't one next- in every corner in Missouri. Don't... <laughs> No, this is Missouri Benedict. That's a Olive Garden on nah, every single yeah, corner. Fair enough. 
Actually, okay, fun, fun little thing. One thing I will say about Missouri. There is a drive-through Italian restaurant chain here that sells like, you know, pasta carbonara mm-hmm. and spaghetti in a drive-through. In a drive-through. Yeah, that's aggressive. I've never seen that anywhere else. And and I mean, it's not it's not like great. It's not like a great restaurant, but it's more interesting than yeah. Carl's Jr. So, you know. Uh, but so next. He tells us about other new terrifying surveillance technology that's certainly on its way right now. It's coming, uh, where he says, quote, uh, besides destroying the century-old practice of free speech and empowering dictators to control information, there were new innovations introduced at Davos, like your own personal carbon footprint tracker brought to you by the enlightened communist masters of China. Uh, And that was based on a presentation by the president of Alibaba Group, uh, J. Michael Evans, who talked about this actually is a thing that they're doing. He actually says they're developing it, uh, which is a thing that allows consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. Uh, so basically, like, know where they're traveling, where they're eating, what they're buying, and what it's doing to their carbon footprint. I agree that that is not a, a thing that I want Alibaba, no. a, a company that has to give information to the Chinese government, to have information about. Uh, that's not something I want Amazon to have uh, the sort of information tracked on me about. It's not, not, not a great thing. None of it, no. But Alex says about it, quote, Imagine that. China has another way to surveil its citizens. As we have already discussed, China has been the experimental lab of the globalists for decades. How long will it be before Democrats in the United States will be calling for all of us to have these trackers? I imagine it won't be long. Maybe two or three years. So start the timer, Benedict. Mm. Put it on let your me calendar. Put the, let me put this on the cow. 2024. Three years at most yeah. until... Democrats are calling for mandating carbon trackers on all citizens of the United States. Do you remember States. when we used to do end-of-year shows where we would just make ridiculous predictions? <laughs> yes. That's this. Remember how I used to get a couple right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, maybe we should do that yeah, this maybe. year. I don't know. Yeah. I still haven't planned what our Christmas show is going to be this year because, okay. you know, we have a war on Christmas theme. We did one uh, our first year and our okay. second year. I feel like we have to do it. So if we can anybody... do a, a patron. Why don't we should do a patron prediction and also patron questions show for yeah, Christmas? Yeah, we can do something like Let's that. Let's do that for December. Send questions in, patrons. I I think they would prefer for us to do the regularly planned Alex Jones documentary for the Maybe. year of the, for the month of December. But we'll see. Let's we'll see. see. Uh, but so Benedict, we can do both. Next... We can do some of the documentary and sure, some questions. Sure, whatever. I don't yeah. care. We'll do whatever. Yeah, if you have questions, send them in. We'll answer them. Um, but next, Benedict, we get to a topic near and dear to my heart, George Soros. Oh, uh, Of course he comes up. Yeah, yeah. We can't right not have him. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So we get some uh, mention that George Soros was at the Davos meeting uh, and then he I talked he, about he Ukraine. pretty much always is. Yeah. And he talked about Ukraine, um, basically saying, uh, hey, uh, this Ukraine invasion is bad for a lot of reasons. Yep. Was the gist of it. Yep. But Alex says about it. Isn't it good to know that if you or I portentously say civilization may not survive, which Soros said, basically, this Ukraine stuff is distracting us from things like climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, but continuing, which is the a media big will issue attack us. Yeah. The media will attack us, uh, calling for our listeners to stage an insurrection. But if you're George Soros and have billions of dollars, when you say the exact same thing, you're treated as a wise sage. And to that, I only have to say, Benedict, it's over for humanity. There will only be lone survivors. That's it. You're right. There will only be lone survivors. <laughs> there will 
Olivia Lotz arrives. Uh, we get some more Soros stuff, right? Um, some complaining about things Soros has said in the past, where Soros said that Facebook uh, helped Donald Trump win the presidency. And then some Bill Gates. Bill oh, Gates yeah, you have pushing to close his vaccine. With Bill Gates. Pushing them vaccines. He says, uh, he doesn't even link glue. it back to the fucking thing that he talks about Bill Gates no, at the and, beginning and of the chapter. That's like, the weird thing, and why I feel like this second half of this chapter is so much less structured as far as you and I presenting it to the audience, yeah. because he really is just like, okay, what haven't I talked about? What do I need to throw in somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Chapter four. Throw it in here. Uh, so but, like, really just talk has... about this with Bill, when you talk about Bill Gates up front. Like, there's could, like two paragraphs. Yeah. Just... Well, he says, quote, and what globalist meeting wouldn't be complete without Bill Gates talking about vaccines? And the quote he has from some sort of news article I didn't bother it's to look into. It's chilling. Shilling. Shilling vaccines. Um, is just that Bill Gates is talking about, again, this whole, you know, Bill Gates has an anti-malaria thing that's sort of one of his big things. He's like, hey, um, we should try and stop people from dying of malaria. Yeah. And he says, hey, you know, maybe we can use some mRNA vaccines for malaria. Maybe that's a possibility. They seem like they're going to be a game changer, which seems right, honestly, like... It could be. It very well could be. So we get to the last couple of paragraphs of the chapter, and I'm going to read them all in our entirety for you, which goes, quote, It would be so much easier not to call Klaus Schwab and his assorted friends around the world an evil globalist cabal trying to change humanity if they stopped acting like one. But it was, I mean, Alex, you could just stop. You could just yeah, stop. I mean, we did talk about this earlier. Like, they do kind of lean into it a bit, which I wish they would stop doing. <laughs> like, it is that thing where uh, every uh, I have a training program that I need to give to every presidential speech writer. Yeah. Uh, it is one PowerPoint slide long, and it says, "Do not use the phrase New World yes, Order." Yes, please right? stop saying New just, World Order out loud. Just don't ever yeah. in any context. Yeah. Don't ever use it. You can't. Uh, but it is, yeah, it is very much like that same thing. He continues, but it appears they can't help telling people exactly what they are. This is how Schwab's opening address to the World Economic Forum on May 23rd, 2022 was reported. And then it's a quote from a Breitbart article, and it says, quote, On the evidence delivered on day one of the famous Swiss ski resort, Schwab very much sees his organization at the forefront of shaping the world of tomorrow. Unfortunately, outsiders have not been consulted or invited to join the 2,500 people flown in from all around the world to be present. Schwab was quick to praise those gathered before him in his welcoming address. The future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community, as you hear in this room. We have the means to improve the state of the world, dot, 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 dot. dot, dot. Yeah. yeah. This is the game that Klaus Schwab and his cronies play. They don't want you to criticize their plans, but then they go around bragging about their plans to change the world and their strength. Is that Klaus Schwab or Elon Musk? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. But remember what they say about those who stand in their way. No extreme scenario can now be taken off the table. It is... And just, God, to end your chapter with that blatant of a yeah. fucking lie. <laughs> really Smoking great. Meritrix, yeah. It is time for us to finally see the globalists for who they are and what they want to do behind all their smoke and mirror tricks. Like claiming a sentence cherry picked out of a book means the opposite of what it means. A lot going on. And that is the end of chapter four of The Great Reset. Next one, Benedict. Uh, I know you're excited. I am excited. Uh, we're going to 
Gonna get some Harari in there up in this this biatch. If anyone wants to send say. me a summary of Homo Deus so I don't have to speed read it, that'd be great. You could you could buy one of those like two dollar poorly written summaries off of Amazon of other books. No, because that's well, yeah, that's probably what Alex Jones did, to be honest. So then I'll at least be able to read the source material that he read. Yeah, yeah, that would be good. But man, this one this one was weird. This one was a real weird one. Uh, really all over the place and I don't know what to think about this chapter uh, I don't think we have gotten an honest position from Alex about what his position is on COVID no because I know other things he has said about oh well COVID. it's changed like a thousand times yeah. isn't it like it's, yeah it's, like... it's it changes whenever it suits him yeah. whenever the the wind is right it changes um, but certainly I think we've gotten a whole lot of out of context quotes a whole lot of out of context so... quotes 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 <laughs> So uh, that's it. Thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Isaac Horvat, Clifton Stuckey, Pause, Lilith 210, a baby, wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C, JD, George Saulnier, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hellman, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Takanan, and Balls Waterson. Thank you all as always for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, no options can be taken off the table. Goodbye. podcast is a production of kevin and benedict productions copyright 2020 all rights reserved music for this podcast is by silverman sound studios find out more at silvermansound.com